Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Fast forward to verse 70. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So right in the middle of talking about being offended by the word and faith and belief and life, he mentions Judas Iscariot. That seems a little odd, seems a little strange. Uh, There are many different reasons why some commentaries uh, believe Uh, that Jesus inserts Judas Iscariot. Uh, No one really knows, but here's my thought. Jesus is talking about unbelief, yes? And he's talking about uh, faithlessness and those turning away from him. And what better example of unbelief and faithlessness and those turning away from him than Judas? Judas. John 17, 12 tells us Judas was the son of perdition. The word perdition, I'm trying to teach you something, listen. The word perdition means waste. Psalm 41, Zechariah eleven twelve, both prophesy about Judas betraying Christ. Matthew 26, Jesus said, it would be better for that man if he had never been born than to be born and not live your life for Christ and suffer eternity in hell. So Jesus is talking about Judas Iscariot. Point number three, words of confession. Look at verse 66 through 69 and get the scene. There's hundreds, maybe even thousands of disciples following Jesus after the flesh. They were basically following him for free lunch. Jesus searches the motives of all that followed him, including the 12. Jesus discouraged their motives from following him. And then in verse 66, he tells them from that time, he tells us from that time, many of his disciples went back. Did you see that? And walk with him no more. And you guys know I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not into like, you know, number one speaks of, the unity of God, and number three is the triunity of God, and number seven is the number of completion, number eight is the number new. Y'all heard all that. The number eight is number new beginning. I don't know where people get this stuff at, and I don't know how much validity is. Although I do find it interesting, that's all, that John six sixty six says many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. I do find that interesting, 666. And don't y'all go checking each other's hair. Some of y'all like, see, you got the numbers in your head. Look at verse 67. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? 
Now, in the Greek language, the statement reads like this. You won't also go away, will you? You won't also go away, will you? And that sounds sad. Sounds like Jesus is brokenhearted. Keep in mind, he fed them, healed them, told them that he would, would be free food for their soul. They didn't want it. They refused it. They rejected it. They hated him, and they left him. Jesus said, you won't also go away, will you? And Peter said, verse 68, y'all looking at it? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have what? The words of life. Now, don't you love Peter? I love Peter. Peter really is probably one of my favorites. And the reason why I love Peter and probably most people love Peter is because Peter is most like us. Say amen, because I'm talking to you. He's most like us, kind of impetuous, impulsive, couldn't wait for things to happen. Peter would make promises he couldn't keep. He said, Lord, if everyone forsakes you, you can count on me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Remember that? Jesus probably pulled him aside and said, Peter, that's my line. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Don't be stealing my stuff. Peter's something else. Peter's always in trouble. All the jokes we tell about Peter at the pearly gates. I think we get to heaven. Peter's going to probably like, how come I was always the brunt of all y'all earthly jokes? Why is it I am always at the pearly gates? I go other places than the pearly gates. Why am I always at the pearly gates? Speaking of that, did you hear this one? Peter, <laughs> Peter at the pearly gates. <laughs> He's in heaven. And a man and, and, and this woman, they've been best friends for a long time, and they wanted to get married. And so they died, and they had gone to heaven. And they told Peter they wanted to get married. And Peter said, well, just take your time and think about it. You've got eternity. So take 50 years and think about it, and we'll see about it then. Well, 50 years later, they come up, they talk to Peter. They say, hey, we still want to get married. Peter said, well, take another 50 years. I mean, really think about it. But the couple insisted. They said, no, we want to get married now. Well, Peter said, listen, take another 50 years anyway. And if we don't have a preacher up here by then, then I'll marry you myself. <laughs> get it? There's no preacher in heaven. <laughs> Copies available after church. <laughs> Peter. Peter would often say the wrong things at the wrong time. Prideful, uh, self-dependent, denied the Lord three times. Peter had what I call foot and mouth disease. Uh, Peter is the kind of guy who would say, ready, fire, aim. But the amazing thing, I think, is that Jesus knew all that, and he still chose him to be a disciple. See God's grace? You see God's grace right there? He still chose him, and he knew all that. But I think one of the greatest stories, if you want some nighttime reading, Matthew 16, Jesus is, and the disciples are standing at Caesarea Philippi. Uh, when we go to Israel, we take our trips. We always go to Caesarea Philippi. It's in northern Israel. 
And Jesus told his disciples that he was going to die. And Peter pulls him aside and said, hey, Jesus, you know, stop saying that. You know, that's not cool. Don't say that again. We don't want to talk about that. And Jesus said, hey, fellas, what's the word on the street about me? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples said, well, some say you're Elijah and some say you're John the B, and some say you're Jeremiah because Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. And then they said, and some of them just kind of lump you in with all the other prophets and a host of other prophets, and they just say you're one of them. And Jesus then asked the million-dollar question, didn't he? He said, who do you say that I am? Can I tell you something? That's the important thing, isn't it? It doesn't matter who the preacher says I am. It doesn't matter who grandma, y'all listening? It doesn't matter who grandma, grandpa, or, the, or, or, or your uncle, or, or your mama who's a minister, or your father who's a pastor. It doesn't matter who they say he is. It matters who do you say he is. Is he the Christ, the son of the living God, like Peter said? Because one day, the reason why that's the million-dollar question and why it's important that you are able to answer that question, because one day you will stand before the Lord apart from them, by yourself, and God will say to you, what did you say about my son Jesus? That's all that matters. What do you think about Jesus? Well, Peter, when Jesus said that, Peter is the only one that piped up and said, why, you are the son, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The word Christ is the word Messiah or the anointed one. Not only that, but you are the son of the living God. Not a son, but you're the one and the only son. And there's no other son like you. Don't you find it interesting? This unlearned, uneducated, untrained, old, smelly, fisherman, blue-collar worker, gives this really deep, theological, profound answer to Jesus as it relates to who he is. I find that interesting. Jesus said, will you go? And Peter said, where will we go? You have the words of life. Look at verse 68. And that simple question Peter is saying, we've considered it. We've considered it. We've allowed ourselves to ponder what it might be like to turn away from you, Peter's saying. He says, Lord, wherever we look for another Lord, another way, another friend, another philosophy, another view of God, another salvation, another meaning, they all come up short. We can't walk away. You have the words of life. No one has ever talk li- taught like you teach. No one has ever, ever loved like you love. No one has ever forgiven like you've forgiven. No one has ever given like you've given. Peter would say, where are we going to go? I would say, where are we going to go? I've been a Christian for 30 years. Where would I go? To leave the Lord, to go back into the world for what? What is back there? Nothing. Heartache, headache, the club. Say amen. You know ain't nothing back there. 
Waking up half the morning, you don't know where your wallet is. You can't find this. Where's that? I where? Where am I? <laughs> don't raise your hand. I know I'm talking to you. Uh, where will we go? Where would you go? If you know your Bibles, and I know you know your Bibles, you would say, Jesus, where would we go? There is no one. Whoever spoke like you spoke, no one ever acted like you acted. No one was ever so strong and meek and yet so tough and tender, so authoritative and gentle and yet so profound and simple, so just and yet so willing to be treated unjustly, so worthy of honor and yet so willing to be dishonored, so deserving of intimate, immediate obedience, and yet so patient with people like us so able to answer every question and yet so willing to remain silent under abuse, so capable of coming down from the cross and judgment and yet so committed not to use that power. Where shall we go? There shall never be anyone like you, Jesus. Never. Never. And even, listen, and even when life comes at you fast, and life comes at you fast. I'm trying, Mom. Mom said, come on, son, preach. I said, I'm trying, Mom. Mother, I'm trying. When life comes at you fast, and life will come at you fast, trials will come, tribulations will come, things will happen that you did not expect. You'll find yourself in situations. If you've been a Christian more than a week, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will find out what I'm talking about. If you've been a Christian more than a week, you know things happen. You find yourself in situations that, how did I get here? How did I get here? I will tell you this, Christian 30 years, no one will stay with you like Jesus. And thousands of people come to Christ and they go away from Christ only to come right back to Christ because they realize that a world without Jesus makes no sense and conversely a world with God makes more sense. That's exactly what the prodigal son realized. A world, a life without the Father makes no sense. Luke 15, don't you know? He goes out, he lives with the pigs and hanging out and doing whatever and partying and this, that, and the third and, and finds himself eating with the pigs and hanging with the pigs. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he came to himself. And that's when everything will change, when you come to yourself. He came to himself and he said, where, where am I? I'm a king's kid. My father's house, I can go home. And he went home. And when his father saw him, he pulled out the fatted cap, and they had a big old party. And, 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 and his father said, welcome home. He came back. He learned, where shall I go? My father has the words of life. He's saying essentially what Peter said. Only in his actions. And Peter said it with his words. Where am I going to go? I go to the Father. You have the words of life. 
I got to come before landing. Point number four, finally, words of sovereignty. In the sovereignty of God, God chooses in verse 70 and 71, God chose Judas. Verse 64, look at it. It tells us Jesus knew from the beginning who would betray him. Verse 70, 71, one of you was the devil. He's talking about Judas. And again, he brings up Judas in this chapter because Judas is rebellious and greedy and selfish and not believing. And that's the main point of the entire chapter. So that's why he brings up Judas. Jesus said in verse 65, there are some who will not believe who would betray him. No one can come unless it's granted to him by the Father. Think about Judas. Judas had the same opportunities the other disciples had, didn't he? For three years, Judas saw the miracles. For three years, Judas had the same intimate fellowship with the Son of God. For three years, Judas looked into the eyes of Jesus. And I was telling them the last two services, I don't think that it's possible for you to look into the eyes of Jesus and not feel something. I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's possible to look into the eyes of Jesus. You know, not like Hollywood, where they, you know, they show Jesus movies and they put the blue eyes with the lights on them right here. And everywhere he goes, it's like, not like that. But I mean, like, his eyes. Eyes are very telling. They're the window to the soul. To look into the eyes of God. Judas had the opportunity and privilege, might I add, like all the other disciples, to look into the eyes of Jesus. Judas experienced the same walks and talks with Jesus. When Jesus gave the disciples a hug, Judas felt that hug. For three years, Judas was taught divine truth after divine truth after divine truth, month after month, year after year, hearing the greatest Bible studies ever from the lips of the creator of the world. And yet after all of that, Judas was unchanged and unaffected. And listen, this is true. I'm going to leave you here and let y'all go. Tell you this one thing. This is very, very true. I see it happen every single Sunday. We come to a place like this. We all hear the same word right now. We've all had the same worship experience. Uh, Some more, some less. Some of y'all got here on time. Some of y'all got here late. Y'all know who you are. Who are you? Stand up. You missed it. But some more, some less, we all got here. We all had the same worship experience. We all had the same environment. We all felt the move of the Spirit and the power of God. We all had the same word of God. You're all hearing just what I'm saying. And, and, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. That you'll have one person walk out the door and say, oh, that was awesome. Oh, man, the word of God. Woo. Oh, the word. Ooh, did, did you hear that? No, they said that. No, I wrote that down. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, I wrote, oh, man, the word of God just touched my heart, really pricked my heart, changed my life. Man, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to do this. And I'm, gonna, I'm really affected by God's word. And you'll have another person walk out the door and say, oh, that was nice. That was a nice talk. Hmm. That was great. How does that happen? How does one person... Same everything, all things being equal. One person walks out affected, another person walks out unaffected. How does that happen? I think it happens by way of how the person came into this room. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? 
In other words, what I'm saying is that if you come in here expecting a word from God, you will get a word from God. If you come in here, hold on. If you come in here, if you come in here and you are just clocking in your time because you want to feel good about yourself on Monday, you know, I went to church on Sunday. <laughs> And you watching the watch, and oh, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. yeah, <laughs> that's great. That... He need to hurry up. We need to get him out here. I need to give me a chicken sandwich. I wish he could. <laughs> if that's the way you come in, listen, you'll probably get nothing out of it. And you'll be the one to walk out of the door unaffected because you've been watching your watch instead of watching the Lord. Instead of listening to the Lord, you're listening to the tick on your watch. You need to be focused on the Lord. And I think the way that you come in, if you come in with God, I want to hear from you. God, I need your help. God, I want your help. My help does not come from the east nor the west. My help comes from the, y'all better help me. My help comes from the Lord. Lord, I need your help. If you come in with that attitude, God will help you. God will be there for you. God will bless you. God will give you just the right word you need to solve that problem that you've been laboring over. Just like that. It's just one word from him that's all he needs. But if you come in just trying to clock your time, well, you're going to walk out unaffected. So that's why I'm always telling you, don't come to church if you're not coming to church to hear a word from God. How many preachers are you going to hear that tell you, stop coming to church? Did you hear me? Stop coming to church. Because when you come to church, you become more accountable because of what you know to whom much is given, much is required. And then someday you're going to stand before the Lord and, and, and God's going to say, well, why didn't you respond to, 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 to me? Why didn't you respond when, when I was trying to knock on the door of your heart and you didn't respond? Don't you remember the day Pastor Rodney came back from vacation and he had a nice tan and you were watching your watch? Why didn't you respond? So coming to church, hearing God's word can be dangerous. It is the most spiritually dangerous thing you can do. You come to church because you want to hear a word from God. Because maybe you don't have problems. Maybe you don't need help. But you need to be strengthened and you need to be encouraged and you need to be fed and you need to be exhorted because when you walk out that door, Satan's going to do everything he can to pull you down. Just as soon as you get in your car. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. As soon as you get in your car. That phone call, sometimes don't answer phone at the church. <laughs> don't you answer that phone. You got Satan on the other line, don't you answer that. <laughs> Lord, woo, thank you. Don't you answer that phone. You need to listen. Listen. Open your ears. And listen, God will bless you. God is in the blessing business. 
that's what he does best, is care for folk like me and you. He loves us, but we got to slow down and listen and come in here and say, God, this is your time. Turn the phone off. Turn everything off. God, this is your time, your time only, and let God bless you. That's what he wants to do. In this chapter, we have three groups of people. The first group, unbelievers who choked on the bread going down. The second group, where will we go, Jesus? You have the words of life. We're staying with you. And the third group, the one who looked and sounded like a disciple but wasn't. The crowd, open defection. Judas, subtle deception. The disciples, firm determination. Where are you? What group are you in? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.